And welcome to another episode of the Arthur Companies Podcast. I'm John Melland, and with me today, we've got the location manager from our Pillsbury location, Hank Brown. Hank, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. How about yourself? Well, it's fantastic day, fantastic spring day to do some podcasting and we're excited. That's right. That's right. And so we're going to just sit here and talk about some things here. This is kind of fun. Hank, I noticed, you know, we, we're just kind of coming off this mustache thing that, you know, I noticed you don't have a mustache. What, what's the story here? I mean, this this mustache uh, competition, it's getting pretty heated, but uh, that's one thing uh, I wasn't blessed with, so we're not going to embarrass myself on that. We'll let the other guys. I think that part of up. this thing is to embarrass yourself. So Part of it, but there's some good face brooms out there. So we'll let those guys uh, take the lead and, and run with it. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, I don't want to talk about mustaches anymore because we did a lot of that in the last podcast. So so we're uh, we're going to talk a little bit about marketing plans today. But, but Hank, I'm just thinking about spring again. And, you know, you're a big ice fisherman. Are you kind of going through withdrawals from not being able to get on the ice anymore? You know, a little bit, John. I got out there as much as I could this winter. Uh Half dozen times, had some really good perch outings, had a lot of fun, but uh, we'll change gears here soon enough, get in the boat this summer yeah. and get after them. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's nice, it's nice to be able to think about the boating, you know, so get out, get out on Absolutely. the water versus the ice. Drink but, a cold beer, nice so. uh, July afternoon. Where do you, where do you typically fish? I go all over the place. I, uh, I love North Dakota. I love the Missouri oh. River, both in North and South Dakota, and then sneak over to Lakes Country once in a while too, and and chase a little fish over there. Yeah, all around. That's good. That's good. So I got I got a question for you. Being that you're an ice fisherman, have you ever caught a ling? A burbot? Okay, yeah. Oh, a burbot, yeah. An what eel else? pout? Eel pout, yeah. Ling, uh, yeah, burbot. absolutely. And so does it freak you out when they come out of the hole? You I know, mean, probably the first time when I was six, maybe it freaked me out. But yeah. uh, usually it, it frustrates me more than anything. You can think you got a 10-pound walleye on, and then you get that up to the hole, and you're yeah. just you're ticked off. But yeah, and then you get freaked out. I'm sorry, but I'm you know I freak I get freaked out when I see those things come. Wrap up. around but, your arm. Okay, so you call them burbot. Correct. All right, I call them ling, and then there's that you. Then they call them eel pout too. Yeah. That's pout, kind of pout fest up in yeah. uh, around Brainerd, Minnesota. Yeah. Big stuff. Yeah, and do you eat them? I mean, they're, they're supposed great. to taste pretty good. I've never poor eaten man's one. lobster. They taste amazing. Uh, how do you cook them? Uh, you can boil them, dip them in butter, just dip them cook them up like a walleye, fry them. Okay, right. whatever you want. Well, next time you catch some, you should bring the bring it in, and we'll. I can do we'll that. Try it. Certainly, we'll, we'll cook it up. Yeah, Absolutely, that sounds good. All right, so uh, so Hank, I guess you know another thing that I want to touch on is not not only are you the Pillsbury location manager, but you're kind of our media specialist for social media. Everything that you see posted on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, that's you, social media guy. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. I jumped on that role was voluntold about eighteen months ago. So uh, do what I can. Yeah, well, I think you do a, a, a fine job at it. Well, thanks, John. It. And so far, you haven't gotten canceled. So Yeah, so, we're, we're, do, uh, we're doing all right. Haven't got canceled. Uh, we like to just have fun with it, keep it our voice, and just post some fun things like the mustache contest or just whatever we want. Yeah, You know, Farm Dog Friday, that's a big one. People love showing their dogs. So it's good. All in fun. That's right. And we have those We have those those, those things around the necks, the, the bandanas. The bandanas. Yeah, those went fast. Those, those, were, those were hot. They, so we don't have any more. No, we're out. We got to order some more. You know, I should think make I, note of that. I think I have one at home. I need to get my dog on the Farm Dog Friday. You bet. I haven't seen the Farm Dog Friday. I got to get a comeback around. I'm not perfect. Yeah. On the social media, but I, I do what I can. There's a lot of other stuff going around. You know, going on that you got to deal with. Yeah, not just gray markets being stuff. the least of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So okay, we're going to talk about marketing plans today. And you know, the last we've had a couple podcasts where we're talking about. Um, 
ways to spend money, right? You know, seed, <laughs> seed treatment, adjuvant, stuff like that. But let's, I mean, the, the fun thing is, let's really, let's talk about revenue. Absolutely. Right? So we're going to talk about revenue today. Although, to be fair, when we're talking about marketing plans, it's kind of the whole picture. Correct. Right? Kind of getting a plan for what, you know, what we want, what we want the year to look like. Certainly. Will, yep. Whatever. So, um, all right. So, so let's go into the marketing plan. What what is a marketing plan? You know, overall, uh, a marketing plan is just kind of the outline for how you think the year is going to go for your farm. Uh, from the very beginning, everyone's penciling in what their rotation is going to be for the year, how much corn, beans, wheat, edible beans, barley am I going to put in. Uh, and that's dictated a little bit by the market, uh, but also the rotation and how you flip-flop those crops back and forth it is the starting point. And then from there... Uh, we let the market tell us uh, what's going to work best up until we put that seed in the ground. You know, we're sitting here in mid-April and there's still some acres in flux in our region and across the country because the market's still trying to show us what should be planted through, through prices. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and when you say at the beginning of the year, when, when does this normally happen to, you know, when you start thinking about this, is it, is it kind of a winter thing? I, I typically a winner when you have the most time. I, I like to think, you know, the agronomists, they're out there talking to guys in the combine the fall before, you know, as like last October for this coming year. Uh, I mean, it starts early and it starts quick. Okay. So it, it needs to be tweaked throughout the year. Right? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm working with guys right now, John, uh, we're sitting down on those fringe acres trying to decide, you know, what crop can we plant in? Uh, looking at the economics right now, I've got the NDSU uh, crop calculator in front of me with current prices. I mean, corn, corn's king right now. It's got a hundred dollar to the acre premium over planting spring wheat uh, and about a 60 to $70 an acre premium over soybeans. So, uh, just by raw numbers alone, the market wants corn. Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't always work. It's not that clean cut. There's other factors that go into play. How much bin space you have, how much labor you have, your dryer capacity meat, but the market really is going to show you through these numbers you know, what it wants. And we, we need corn, we need beans uh, in a bad way. Right. And so, and so that's what it looks like right now. That might have not have been what it looked like three months ago. It might not be what it looks like three months from now. Ever evolving. There's a crop raised somewhere in the world uh, all the time. South America is a big player for corn and beans, uh, one of our main competitors. And, you know, their crop impacts us. There was concerns in the soybean crop down there earlier and their corn crop. Uh, and that's really showing in the market right now. Yeah. So I think, I mean, as a guy sitting in my chair, it seems like, okay, well, that makes it kind of tricky. How do you, you know, you start off something at the beginning of the year, things can change and they can, they can change drastically, right? So what, is, what does that mean? You just have to be ready to kind of pivot? You, you pivot as much as you can. Uh, at some point in time, the acres are what they are, what's going to fit your farm. And then, you know, you know, the merchandisers, myself and the others in our company, we work with guys to try to set realistic targets for where we think the market could go during periods of uncertainty, which is typically that, that planting through early growing season stage. Uh, and then we try to execute as we can through that and maximize revenue for these guys. Yeah. So, so the fact that you know that there's going to be uncertainty coming doesn't mean you shouldn't plan, right? Even though, you know, when you set something in the, in the winter, correct, it yep. may change, but that just, it means you should just be ready for it for when it changes. Absolutely. So, okay. I mean, most years guys are looking for $4 corn. If we hit that, that's that's phenomenal. We're going to see a lot of sales there. This year, markets ran up so fast that some orders got filled there. 
And then we reevaluated the plan from then. Uh, and now we're talking, we're almost, you know, we're 460 cash off the combine. So, uh, so we're working through it as we go. You change as you go and just listen to what the market's telling you. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, it seems like you want to, you know, as, as you go through the year, um, you're, you're not necessarily ringing the bell on one big, one big sale. No, you're, you're kind of wanting to layer in. Absolutely. Is that, is that kind of, yeah, I, I think some of the best farm marketers I see, uh, they sell incrementally throughout the year uh, as the markets are going up. Uh, there, there's different ways to look at it, but you know, with how volatile the markets are right now, it's probably a good idea to sp- sell in smaller chunks more consistently than to try to pull the trigger on 30% of your production in one shot. Cause yeah, you, someone can tell you they know, but nobody knows where the market's going. So yeah. here today, gone tomorrow type thing, but uh, spread that risk around and it seems to work out pretty well. Yeah. So, so, and then does, it must change though, also based on, you know, your input needs, right? I mean, if, if you, you know, you should, part of it is just kind of getting a goal in terms of where you want that price to hit, but it's got to be related to what your costs are. Absolutely. So like last fall, for instance, uh, urea prices and uh, other phosphate prices were, were low relative to historical averages. And we got a lot of fall fertilizer work done. So that set the stage for nitrogen-loving crops, corn and wheat going in the ground. And then we had a run-up uh, in those prices here over the last few months, which is going to put some acres in flux. So, yeah, you have to compare your costs uh, to what the current prices are for the crops. And one way we do that at the Arthur Companies is we have what we call the bushel balance. Okay. So, you know, that that's basically just a ratio between what it costs on the fertilizer size per acre and then how many bushels of corn it takes to pay for that fertilizer. Right. And so so the bushel balance, I see we 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 post that out on Facebook every month, I think. And yep. Currently the bushel balance is twenty three point four, I think is what just came out. Yeah, right, right around twenty three. That's that's a pretty average balance, if not trending a little bit lower. So that's saying it takes twenty three point four bushels of corn at four sixty cash to pay for the current fertilizer needs on an acre of corn. See, to me that that makes a lot of sense to think about it that way because you're looking at it at the the relationship between what's what's the price on the board to what your fertilizer cost prices are because you know fertilizer prices are up as well correct right okay but if you look at it in relation to hey you know we got we got a board prices going up fertilizer price fertilizer prices are going up what is that relationship compared to you know maybe if the board price is lower maybe it's better if you know maybe it's a better bushel balance if that fertilizer price is lower as well so yeah it, it's it's all relative it, it's funny how the market seems to work itself out uh, if you look at things in raw terms like holy cow urea went up a hundred bucks a ton while corn's up you know x amount of you know almost a buck as well in the last four or five months. Yeah, so you can that, get pretty excited if you look at the urea and say it's up a hundred bucks. Yeah, what, you know, what's going on? What's the but, true hedge? What's, you know, what's that ratio that really sets the stage to help it put it in perspective. And then it helps in your buying decisions. Uh, you know, last fall, if we looked that uh, the bushel balance, I believe was probably low twenties mm-hmm. with a lower price corn. So relatively, I mean, it just was signaling that fertilizer was a really good buy. And we had some guys notice that and we talked through that and got some good, uh, protection on for them. Yeah, I think and just relating that bushel balance again right now is at 23.4. I think last year at this point it was 26. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's all relative. Right. Absolutely. Right. And so it's just good that's a good data point to know going into when you, you know, when you want to buy, when you want to sell, you know, or or you know, 
Exactly. And, you know, you, you use that, you put that, that into practice along with, like I mentioned, the NDSU crop budgets or whatever crop budgets you use. I've got some big spreadsheets put together uh, that the agronomists and myself and growers use throughout the year to, you know, to, to pencil this stuff and calculate this all out, even on a field by field basis. We've done that before. So you can get down to the nitty gritty and do revenue per field, revenue goals. You know, that that's a big part of keeping yourself on track and staying consistent. Yeah. So, and you're working with guys constantly throughout the year doing that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so how it kind of makes me think there's, there must be, you must, you've been around for a while. You must see kind of differences in how guys approach this, you know, and, and what, tell me, tell me a little bit about what you've seen. Like how do guys approach it? Certainly. I mean, there's a lot of nuanced ways to approach grain marketing as there should be. I mean, every end of everyone's different. Every farm is different. All the capital needs are different. Uh, but I've got guys that'll scale up uh, just in solid increments. Okay. Sell me a 5,000 bushels of soybeans at 12 bucks. Sell me 5,000 at 1250. Sell me 5,000 at $13. And then there's the guys that just watch the market go up and they just text me every other day and hey, sell me another 2,000 here, 2,000 there. Uh, different ways to skin the cat. It seems like the guys that are most successful either one, don't have enough storage on farms, so they really have to pay attention to their marketing plan and be consistent uh, and very vigilant on it, or two, just sell consistently. And they're not trying to hit the top. They're just consistently trying to sell above their cost of production. But, man, Hank, if I sell right now, I just I have a feeling that next week it's going to go up. It could. I mean, so I just don't want to sell right now. There's different ways. I mean, there's different ways you can work with guys to – get into the option strategies and and different things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, our job is to try to lock in revenue. uh, And by our, I mean the merchandising group with the farmer, try to get a good revenue goal for the farm, uh, take some of that risk off the table, and then just help them raise a good crop and and keep the cycle going. And, And the way to do that is to be disciplined in how you approach the market and not let emotions ride. Absolutely. I mean, which it can be an emotional thing to it watch. It can be a very emotional the, thing. And I mean, that's the same with personal investing too. Uh, and I'm never going to talk a guy out of, if he wants to keep some grain back in the bin just because he feels better that way, that's fine. Everyone goes about it different. Right, right. But just understanding the layout, where, where things are at, relationships, revenue to cost. Correct. Um, it's just, you know, very important. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, I'm going to throw a baseball analogy at you right now. So I was you just bet. thinking about, you know, when you – when you when you're trying to swing, when you're the when you're in the batter's box, you're trying to swing at that ball coming through. That you've got that that one spot that's the sweet spot that you hit the home run, right? Yep. And if you if you hit that spot, it's it's boom, it's gone, right? Sweet chin music, right? But if you miss that spot, you miss it, and you don't get that home run. So if you if your swing trajectory, like this is just bear with me here. This is going to be fantastic. Just wait. If if the swing trajectory is is not in the plane of that ball. You've got one chance and one chance only to hit that home run. And if you don't, if you're a little bit behind, a little bit in front of it, you're gonna you're gonna miss. And you're gonna strike out, right? Understood. Okay. So, but if you're if the proper batting form is to get that bat in the plane of the of the ball coming in, and even if you're late, you're gonna if you're late, you're gonna hit it down first baseline. You're gonna get a single, maybe a double. Yep. You, you're a little bit early on it. It's still on the plane. You're going to hit it down the left field. You're still going to get a single, maybe double, maybe triple, whatever. Gets in the corner, you know. I, f- I feel like that's kind of the same thing here. It's like don't try and get that one spot and hit the home run. You want to make sure you're thinking throughout the whole 
plane of the ball coming through. Exactly. First off, good analogy. That was well explained in depth. Secondly, I mean, we could go back. We've looked at it as a group before uh, where grain is marketed throughout the year for all of our customer base. And I, I've, I've shared this with some farmers, and if anyone's interested, they can call me. You would think that, oh, man, my neighbor, he's selling grain at the highs, and he's got way more money than me than me because he's just better at marketing. That that's tends not to be the case. It's a bell-shaped curve. 60 to 70% of the grain is sold within a certain range. There's some guys that hit tops and some stuff, but it's very consistent just because, I mean, that that's the way it works. But hitting that top, that gets that gets out there, and you hear about it. Oh, and yeah, coffee boy, shop talk. Oh, oh yeah. man, I sold $14 beans. Why'd you sell yours at 11 Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And you, you hear about that one time forever. Yeah, the next 10 years. <laughs> even though, you know, you sell you know, you know sell on the up or even on the down a little bit, and you're you're doing better off than just hitting that Over one spot. Over the long spot. term, that, that seems to be the case. Yeah, more consistent, more, more discipline in how you approach it. Absolutely. Seems to be the long-term winning solution. Absolutely. All right. So, okay. So let's, let's talk about specific things now. Right now, a guy comes in and talks to you right now. What do you, what do you tell him right now? Understanding that next week it's going to be different, potentially, you know, down there it's going to be different. What, what are you saying right now when you look at the market, when you look at where fertilizer's at? What, what do you, what is the guy? I mean, to be honest, right now is an exciting time in the grain markets. Uh, I've got some charts here. We were at highs from 2013 on corn and beans. Uh, we're at levels we haven't seen yet since 2013. So it's exciting. Uh, I'm trying to get guys, as we plan to go put the crop in the ground, hopefully the next week or two here, mm-hmm. really have some good levels sold or at least some goals in mind. Uh, these are good levels to lock in revenue on a good crop. So, at, you know, 30 to 40% sold on corn and beans would seem like a pretty good area to be. It's going to depend on your farm and how much storage you have, but Man, if you can go plant those first two, three quarters and know if you raise a good crop, you're going to make some good money. Yeah, that's that's a good scenario. Are you buying some grain right now? We're buying a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it's gotten better with the moisture we had have received recently. That always helps. Yeah, some uh, hesitancy with the with the dryness. As for a there while. should be. I mean, we can't, especially as you get west in our Harvey and Animus area. Those guys are really hurting for moisture, and uh, that they, they know about droughts more than we do in the eastern part of the state. So those guys are they're in a different scenario, but. Uh, yeah, I would say on average, we're probably close to a third sold on soybeans for our, you know, most okay. of our farms in our area. And then corn, we're probably, it's less than that, but we're starting to pick up more as corn keeps going up as well. Yeah. And then, and then basically the idea is that you get the, you get that crop in the ground and then you just kind of go through the summer and kind of beat. Yeah. As, as you know, tip that the May through July 4th, let's call it is almost always seasonally the highs we see in the grain market, except on short years where everything's burned up in the summer. But uh, seasonally, those are good times of the year to sell. Uh, I've got guys, you know, they'll sell a third of their crop, and then each quarter they plant in the spring, they'll sell another third of that quarter. So it's just so there's different ways to skin the cat. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as you get this crop planted and things are looking good, continually reevaluate where you're at for sales. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you're not the only guy doing this for us. We got we got a great group of merchandisers across the company. We, you know, we've got you in Pillsbury. Why don't you? Well, actually, I'll let you. Who who else do we got? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I I office out of our Pillsbury location. Uh, we also have Connor Oy in Pillsbury most of the time. And then as we go east, we have Aaron Remick and Air, and then Kevin Carl and Arthur. And then jumping back out west, there's Brent Roberts and Jenna Knutson out in Harvey. Yeah, fantastic group of, of people 
um, that will help Great you group. through this. Fun people. They all, they're all doing the same thing, kind of looking at, at things the way that Hank has been kind of explaining these today. Um, and uh, just reach out whenever you have questions, you know, whenever you want to find out more about what the market's saying. Yeah, we're, we're plugged plans. in all the time, maybe to the chagrin of my wife or our wives. I mean, 8 o'clock at night, we're texting back and forth when the market's hot. So it's fun. It's a really fun group. Uh, enjoy the heck out of this job. It, it's very rewarding. Yeah, fantastic. Now, how so you've been in Pillsbury. How many, How long have you been in Pillsbury? Uh, I've been in Pillsbury going on six years. So the plant Has it was, been that long? It's been that long. So the plant was built in 2015. Yeah. I came up uh, at the very beginning of 2016. Uh, and we took our first grain in May of 2016, yeah. started out as a merchandiser there. And then when Justin cannot moved on to agronomy manager, I, I stepped into the location manager role. So I've been there since the start, uh, helped watch that business grow. Uh, it's been very rewarding and very that, fun. That location, it's been fantastic to kind of see that location and kind of what we've able, been able to do with it. When we first built that, it was what, what do we have? 2 million bushels of storage, 2 million bushels of storage. Our first fall was 2016, which everyone knows was a huge year. So that was a blessing in and of itself, yeah. a big crop. Uh, we handled a lot of grain that fall. There was a lot of grain that got put on the ground uh, just because it came so fast. I mean, that was phenomenal. That was a lot of fun, chaotic, but yeah. a lot of fun. So, And we've grown since then. We're now under uh, just under 3 million bushels of storage and steel. This summer, we're putting in a 2 million bushel self-feed bunker, which is going to help our corn harvest tremendously. Uh, so we've grown with our customer base in that area. And it's just been a ton of fun. Yeah. And one thing that, that I think we hear um, a lot about is just the speed that we can dump in Pillsbury. Yeah. Very efficient. Uh, that that plant was built with speed in mind, no doubt. Uh, and then just a really fun young crew there out there kicking butt, getting trucks dumped, getting trains loaded. It's it's a blast. Yeah. I don't. What, what do you think attributes to that speed? I mean, so we've got inline scales. Uh, we've got dump pits that are fast. I mean, just all, just the way that it was laid out. The, all, the everything, we've everything. Got, we've just, got 30,000 an hour dump pits, 60,000 an hour uh, legs and conveyors. Uh, the CompuWay system, RFID tags to keep everything. You stay in your truck from the time you pull in the lot. Uh, during harvest, a lot of times our average dump time is five, six minutes. Dump at 350 trucks a day. So it's, and it's, you're not sitting in line that long. No, I mean, that's, that's, the that's you pull in the yard. You pull out of the yard six yeah. minutes, October 10th. I mean, it's, that's just fantastic. I mean, like, look, I, I've heard stories that guys are coming to us that are farther away that maybe are closer to some competitors just because of the speed that they can get in and out and, and turn that certainly, know, back to the certainly. field, back and forth. A lot forth of cases of that, yeah. It's, yeah. That's fun to see. Uh, that's very rewarding. Uh, the facility does a lot of that work, but the guys outside – certainly do a lot as well. So hats yeah. off to them. Yeah. Now one thing that we've got too, and I don't know if I think it deserves a mention, we've got grain inspection there on we site. Yep. So tell me a little bit about what that means. Why, why do we have grain inspection? So we have North Dakota grain inspection at uh, our air and Pillsbury location. So they grade all of our grain. It's a third party. Uh, they take their job very seriously. So, you know, when you come in, you're getting fair grades. Uh, you know, if you're, if your truck's 0.3 dock on soybeans, they're going to grade a 0.3. There's no fluff in the numbers. So yeah. we have customers that really appreciate that. Uh, and we think it's a big benefit for our customers over East here. Yeah. I mean, and, and basically what you're saying is that, Hey, that, that grade is what that grade is. There's no, you know, no so ifs ands, or buts about it. If you have any questions, we'll send another sample into the lab. 
get it graded there too, uh, just to double check. But it it is what it is. Yeah, and you know we've hear stories about other the way the other guys do. Yeah, it, the old school just, grain guys. I mean, yeah. you take a little here, take a little there, but no. One thing we pride ourselves when at uh, at the Arthur companies take a clean sample. Mm-hmm. That's been said many a time, but that that's especially true with grain inspection. Uh, yeah, big benefit. Yep, yep, fantastic. Well, and we've got a great. You mentioned that we got a great team out there. Um, you know, servicing the customers is, is you know is Number what we job. do at the company, yeah. and the Pillsbury crew is great. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of we actually do quite a bit of customer kind of events that kind of not just for the Pillsbury customers, but just kind of for broadly, but just kind of get focused on through some of the guys. You know, feed the harvest crew, feed the harvest. That's a really fun one. Uh, typically during soybean harvest, we try to do that one. Last year, I think we grilled 400 hamburgers, delivered them all to the field. Okay, we grilled 400 hamburgers. John Melland grilled that, 400 okay, thank hamburgers. You, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's a ton of fun. We get eight, nine grills out there. We get 30, 40 people delivering it. That's just a blast of a day. That is a lot of fun. And I do. I, I sit on the grill. It's not just me. Okay, we got a couple other guys that, you know, that that help too, but, yeah, but chefs, it is yeah. a lot, it, it is a lot of fun. And I, I stink so bad when I get done with that because of all those 400 hamburgers, but it's, it's, it's a fantastic thing that we, it's, it's a well oiled machine that we've yeah. got. I get guys asking in August, you know, when you, when's that coming yeah. up? When's the harvest crew coming up? And you know, we, we set it right during the hardest soybean harvest. So you don't have to worry about lunch that day. And yeah. it's a big hit, ton of fun. Well, I think, I think it deserves, when we get to that point, we're going to have another podcast specific about the feed the harvest kind of thing. I'd like so that. It, Okay, so we also have other things that we do. Golf outing. Golf outing. The Hope Golf that, Course. That's a blast. We did, we weren't able to do it last year with COVID. This year, it's on the books. Uh, get a lot of people up there for that. Just have a fun day. Little yeah. customer uh, appreciation day. Drink some beer. Uh, do some golfing. I mean, people people like that a lot. So we talk about food. We talk about golf. We talk about beer. I mean, do we do any work? Of course we do. We do some work, but you got to I mean, we work, work hard, hard. We play, play hard. hard. That's right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. So, all right, Hank, this has been, uh, I think there's been a lot of, a lot of good information here. A lot of fun talking with you. Um, look, you know, give Hank a call, give your other merchandisers a call. If you're working with other merchandisers, you know, we're here all the time for you. Uh, Hank, any parting thoughts? Yeah, certainly. Give us a call anytime uh, as we're going to get busy this spring. Everybody's out there pitching in where they can. You could see us in tender trucks. You could see us loading fertilizer. Else, give us a call. Let's get some working orders in and, Really have fun and enjoy these uh, these markets where they're at. It, it's a blast. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks here coming up. Can't wait. We're uh, we're going to get after it. So you bet. All right. Thanks, Hank. Appreciate it. And thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of the Arthur Company's podcast. <laughs>